Welcome to When I Was On My Mission, the podcast where missionaries tell true, unbelievable stories that they experienced firsthand. I'm your host, Brian Jensen. If you like this podcast, please tell a friend, subscribe, and leave us a five-star rating in your podcast app. It really helps us out. Welcome to the When I Was On My Mission podcast. We have Hunter Miller tonight. Hunter, thank you so much for joining us on When I Was On My Mission. Yeah, of course. I'm I'm honored to be on the podcast. I've obviously heard a lot about it, listened to you know past episodes, some great stories out there, and I'm I'm excited to be able to have the chance to share mine. Well, I'm excited to hear your story. It sounds like a lot of fun. Before we get into that, why don't we warm up a little bit with just a couple questions um, about your mission? So, first of all. Where did you serve? So I served in uh, Rochester, New York mission. Uh, so Western New York, super cool mission. Uh, we had the church history sites, the Joseph Smith farm, Hill Camorra, um, you know, the Peter Whitmer farm, like those all, all those historical church sites that you hear about were all in our mission, which was super cool and unique to kind of have that opportunity uh, to visit there, to take investigators there, members, um, you know, super, super cool. And then obviously, you know, stretches that kind of out to the western border of New York and to Canada, uh, Buffalo, New York, Niagara Falls. So uh, it's since been combined uh, with another mission, the Utica mission. And so pretty much all of upstate New York is one mission. But when I was there, it was just uh, Rochester, New York mission. Very cool. And is that where they do the pageant or am I the Hillcomore pageant or is that a different place? Yeah, they did the Hillcomore pageant there. It was, you know, super cool to be able to go to that. Um, you know, I went there once as a missionary. And then the second summer when they did it, my parents actually came to pick me up uh, the first day of the pageant. So I was able to go once as a missionary and then once with my family kind of at the end of my mission. So uh, like I said, it's super unique opportunities that are presented in that mission to be able to to go to the pageant, to take people to the you know sacred grove and all that. So it, it was a ton of fun. Very cool. And did you speak a language, a uh, uh, foreign language while you were on your mission? So I wasn't called uh, to speak a language. I was English speaking, thank goodness, because I don't know how well I would have been able to learn a language. And I think it's actually uh, something I brought up with my bishop and stake president before I was leaving, like, hey, <laughs> you know, if you can put any special notes in there, like make sure an English speaking mission is where I go. So I was called English speaking. Uh, but one of my areas was actually an American Sign Language area. So oh, wow. while, while I wasn't assigned to, you know, I guess you don't speak American Sign Language, but I, while I wasn't assigned American Sign Language, I did uh, pick up a little bit of it in those three months when I was there and was able to uh, teach people in American Sign Language, which was which was really cool. That is very cool. Was that difficult to learn? It didn't seem difficult. I'm sure people were doing me a lot of favors by like pretending to understand what I was oh. like trying to communicate, you know. <laughs> um, the deaf community is super cool and super welcoming and they, uh, I think they did a lot of lip reading when I was involved. Uh, so I think they made it seem like I knew more than I did, but it, you know, kind of the basics, uh, to be able to get by in a conversation and not much more. Very good. And then just one more question for you. What is, what's one aspect of your mission that you just really miss? I miss the people, uh, honestly, like Buffalo is, you know, it gets kind of a bad rap. Uh, everywhere outside of the country, right, is kind of this rundown, blue collar, uh, nothing going on kind of town. But honestly, the people are super cool, super welcoming. Um, I met some some really awesome people out in Buffalo, New York, uh, and you know, people that I still keep in touch with today, and you know, still communicate with on social media or through texting and stuff like that. So I miss I miss 
fun and unique people that you would kind of come in contact with every day on the streets in in Western New York. And, you know, anyone who's familiar with the NFL and familiar with the Buffalo Bills, you see kind of what their fan base is like. They're crazy, but they're passionate and they're super welcoming. And that's that's kind of what I miss about the people out there. Yeah, I feel the exact same way. I served my mission in North Carolina and was in some towns that that sound a bit like Buffalo, although never get that cold <laughs> or anything like that. But uh, just really solid, hardworking people. Anyway, know exactly what you're talking about. Well, Hunter, can you share your story with us? Yeah. So when I was on my mission, I had the opportunity. Uh, my first area was just south of Palmyra uh, in a town called Canandaigua, just kind of on the Finger Lakes. And when I got there, we had a trainer had been there and he had been in the area for probably about nine, 10 months. Uh, so he had been there for almost half his mission. He was going home in just a couple of months. And really all he could talk about when I got there was this one investigator they had. And because this story includes some criminal activity, uh, not on my part, but <laughs> on the part of the person that I'll tell you about in a little bit, I'll, I won't use his name, his real name. So I'll just call him Marcus. Marcus. So, right. so my trainer, when I got there, just kept talking about Marcus, right? And th th this guy that they had been teaching, he was came from Trinidad. So he was an immigrant to the United States, but he, he lived in Canandaigua uh, and he had been meeting with the missionaries and he had been meeting with the missionaries for probably about six months before I got there. But my trainer would just talk about how awesome of a guy he was, how super solid of an investigator he was. He wanted to get baptized. He was coming to church. And then one day, probably about two months before I got to the area, just disappeared. Didn't hear from him, couldn't get in contact with him, would go by his apartment, wasn't there, would try calling him, didn't pick up, tried messaging him on Facebook, didn't hear anything back, messages were never opened, and they just couldn't figure out like what happened to him. Sure. They didn't know if he, he just lost interest, if he didn't want to learn about the church anymore, they didn't know, you know if something bad had happened to him, if he had gone back to Trinidad, just no answers, right? And so for two months, they kept trying to contact him, trying to contact him and nothing. Uh, and then I got to the area and about a month in, like we had attempted to contact him a couple of times, but it was looking like it was hopeless, uh, right? Like phone would just go straight to voicemail. Messages weren't opened, like I said. Uh, and so they kind of, you know, my trainer thought, well, you know, for one reason or another, he's not getting back to us. He's either not here or he doesn't want anything to do with us, right? So we won't continue to waste our time trying to get in contact with them. And I'm sure a lot of missionaries out there have experienced similar things, right? Where someone you thought was this golden investigator for whatever reason, whether it was they heard something bad about the church, they just lost interest, whatever it was, decided they didn't want to meet. So that's kind of what we had assumed had happened to, to Marcus. But in Western New York, you know, the church has been there obviously since the yeah. early 1800s. And there's the a lot of people, yeah, yeah <laughs> really since the beginning. So there's a lot of members, but it's a lot of less active members, like people whose family had been in the church, they'd lived in the area, but for one reason or another, there's, they're no longer active. Just one question. Are they yeah. like hostile to the church or are they in general or are they? Just some are, some aren't. Okay. Right. It's kind of like what you'd find in Utah. Some people, okay. you know, they're just, eh, you know, I appreciate what you guys do. Not interested. Other ones are, you know, I don't want anything to do about, with them. You know, you guys are a cult, whatever kind of things they say, right? Yeah, yeah. We were visiting less actives, you know, which is what a lot of kind of the work we did on my mission was trying to reactivate members. And so we were just kind of going down the list of like less active members. And we knock on this door and this guy answered and he, you know, oh, my wife's, you know, a member. I'm not a member. You know, I've met with the missionaries a hundred times, not really interested. Come to find out he was a police officer. 
in the in you know the local police department. And as we're walking away from the door, he calls back to us and said, "Hey, weren't you guys meeting with this Marcus guy?" And my trainer's eyes, you know, get really big, and he turns around. And he's like, "Yeah, like we were. We haven't heard from him in a few months." And the guy responds, "Oh, well, that's because he's in the county jail." Oh, no. You know, we picked him up, you know, a few months ago. <laughs> I think he's still in there. So, you know, my trainer's like, oh, like, thanks so much. We get in the car, race it. Let me ask you just really quick. So what were you thinking when the cop told you that? Like, I mean, it? me personally, I was like, I'm, we're not about to go to the jail right now, are we? Like, that's <laughs> me as like this 18-year-old kid who's been on a mission for like three, four weeks. I'm like, we're not actually going to go try to find him in prison. Right. Like that's missionaries don't do that. But my trainer's like, oh, we're going to the prison right now. Get in the car. Fortunately, it was in our area. So like just a 10 minute drive down the street and it was a Sunday. So we get there and they're like, yeah, he's here. Like he's in. <laughs> we have record of him being here. It's a Sunday. You ha There's no visitation. You guys need a schedule appointment to visit. So we're like, OK, like sounds good. We'll do that. So he set an appointment, I think, for like later on in the week. And we go back and lo and behold, we're sitting there in, you know, it's like out of a movie, right? Where you're sitting there, there's the glass, there's the dividers, yep. you know, you have your phone, all that stuff. And then, you know, they buzz the door open and all these inmates come walking into the area to do their visitations. And lo and behold, there is Marcus <laughs> <laughs> comes strolling out and sees us and sees my trainer who he obviously had known for a really long time and he gets you know super excited oh my gosh guys oh like how have you been like oh i'm so sorry like i'm in here and we're talking to him and we're trying to find out like what happened right like did you do something bad there's a lot of reasons why someone can end up in prison yeah, right yeah and i feel bad for i feel bad for laughing about this because it's a little <laughs> unexpected but anyway yeah. yeah fortunately it wasn't anything crazy bad I'd be telling the story much differently if he had gone to jail for some violent crime. Yeah. Uh, but we ask him like, hey, like, why are you here? <laughs> right. Like, what did you do to end up in prison? He goes, yeah, like, you know, I was just meeting with you guys. I was super excited. You know, I wanted to join the church. So I went on the back of a Dollar Tree and I spray painted Mormons forever. So <laughs> Mormons and then the number four and then Eva, E-V-A. Uh. <laughs> and we're dying laughing. We, he, you know, he tells us like, hey, like I had had prior arrests for graffiti and vandalism. So like this was kind of like the last strike, right? Like he got arrested a couple of times for graffitiing on buildings. And finally he got caught on this one on the security cameras of the Dollar Tree. And so they picked him up and took him to the jail. We ended up going to that Dollar Tree and the graffiti was still on the back. So I have a photo somewhere. I need to go back through, you know, my old camera rolls and oh you know my, my old emails to home. But there I have a great picture of the spray painted Mormons forever uh, on the back <laughs> of this Dollar Tree. You know, which really wow. just showed the kind of guy that he was, right? That he was so invested fully that he just had to express himself in any way that like, I want to be, you know, a Mormon forever. <laughs> that is amazing. I don't care about the consequences. I want, <laughs> I need to express my desire. That is, that's incredible. Wait, so, so you guys bust up laughing in the jail. Like, how does, how does he respond to that? He was the funniest guy. Like, you know, he obviously didn't think it was anything serious. 
he was laughing you know he he would always call himself this was back when lebron was on the miami heat right in 2014 okay. he would call himself the lebron james of the mormons and then <laughs> my trainer was Dwayne wade and i was chris bosh like he viewed us as like the big three right of of the mormon church and you know yeah. he just wanted to be a part of it so bad and he you know the most kind-hearted uh funniest guy who just genuinely wanted to be a part of it and a part of the church so after that we would go back and we'd meet with him in the prison once a week for the three months that i was there uh in the area before i ended up getting transferred from canandaigua out to downtown buffalo you know every single week he he would come out he'd have his book of Mor we brought him a book of mormon so that he could read it in in the prison and we would you know read it with him and uh just seeing kind of how seriously he took it was really cool to see even someone who was in an environment like prison or, or in the jail and granted it was the county jail of canandaigua new york not necessarily the hardened yeah. criminals but still the fact that the gospel could thrive uh in an environment like that was was really cool to see that is really cool to see and like you said not the not the super max in colorado or whatever but uh yeah but yeah yeah and that, it wasn't san quentin or anything yeah. like that it was guys who didn't pay their parking tickets pretty yeah. much but that's still really really cool but you think back to you know who jesus was teaching when he was in his mortal ministry or or all of the the stories that you hear about the great missionaries in the new testament or in the book of mormon or things like that and and it makes sense those are you know those are children of God too, and the people who that message resonates with. So that is really cool to hear that experience just in real life, brought yeah. to life in the modern American experience. That's that's pretty cool. Yeah, it was, it was super sweet, you know, and obviously I, one of the great sorrows of my mission was that I was never able to actually, you know, see him outside of prison, right? Like he, he was still in there when I was transferred out and he ended up getting out a little while after, but the fact that I was spent all this time with them, but it was always with glass dividers and in an orange prison jumpsuit. Still, to view him as someone, an investigator, and not only as an investigator, but a you know a friend of sorts, despite the circumstances, it was really cool and and really humbling. That is awesome. What what ended up happening to him? Did he join the church? Yeah. So the happy ending to every story, right? Is you know I got a message from the missionaries in the area and my old trainer after he had gone home. And I was in, on the opposite side of the mission that he did, in fact, when he got out of prison, continued to meet with the missionaries and ended up getting baptized and joining the church. That's fantastic. I would have loved to have witnessed first his interview with uh, <laughs> with the mission president. <laughs> yeah, that would have been pretty funny when he asked him about, about so that. Tell me, so tell me about this prison <laughs> sentence yeah. that you just wrapped up. But, yeah. Oh, man. And then then. The explanation would have oh man there's, there's not an explanation with a more pure intent behind a crime than yeah i think end of interview you're you're good you're bad yeah you're, good. <laughs> you're okay all right you're in yeah that is hilarious you know over time unfortunately you lose contact and he he was one of those guys who i lost contact with but i really hope that he's you know still a mormon forever and, <laughs> and still going to church and doing all the right things because he was definitely a guy that when we were meeting with was genuine in his interest in the church well amen that's an awesome story thank you yeah for sharing. of course and one more question before i let you go you know thinking about stories like that and then thinking about you know harder times on your mission when you're working hard you're away from your family you're sometimes doing things that wouldn't be what you want to do from a fun standpoint mm -hmm. was it worth it going on a mission yeah, I, I would say it absolutely was. And it wasn't always enjoyable. 
I remember a time where I, you know, really, really wanted to go home. I called my mission president, told him I wanted to go home, called my family, told him I wanted to come home, but I stayed out and it was really, really hard at times. And like you said, like there are times where you're not doing what you want to do, right? Like you'd much rather be at home, hanging out with friends, going to college, dating girls, whatever it is, but instead you're out on a mission and it can be really, really tough. But just seeing, you know, the kind of the changes that you can make in people's lives, and regardless of if they join the church or not, seeing people's lives change for good, it was really kind of a, a, something that's so unique to a mission that you'll never really get to experience again, at least to that capacity. So I think in that sense, it was 100% worth it, just getting to know those people, getting to know people with different backgrounds, different life stories, different challenges, and and trying to understand them and sympathize with them and help them was was unique and it, w- it was worth it in every way. Awesome. Thank you so much, Hunter. Really appreciate you joining. Yeah, thanks a lot, Brian. I hope you enjoyed this episode of When I Was On My Mission. If you or someone you know has a great mission story, we would love to hear it. Please email us at contactonmymission at gmail.com or DM us on Instagram or Facebook at When I Was On My Mission. If you like this podcast, please tell a friend, subscribe, and leave us a five-star rating in your podcast app.